Hey, so welcome to this week's edition of Bar Talks Bean Talk. Uh, I am going to be flying solo today because Max is off ill with a sore throat, which is not a great thing if you've got a uh, a podcast to do. So, and you also notice I've got a fat lip because last week I went into the dentist and uh, and had a tooth removed, and uh, my lip was the the medium of which he used as leverage to 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 lever out my tooth with a pair of pliers. Um, we've come a long way since the medieval ages, apparently. I'm actually going to talk a little bit about, uh, we've got a, quite a bit of news to cover. And then I'm going to talk about um, the rocket, which was, I think last week, I think I mentioned, wasn't working properly. We couldn't get, it wouldn't recognize the water. That was actually quite simply resolved. I took it to the distributor and we'll talk about that. Uh, and um, we're also going to mention the, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the, uh, the interviews that I've got coming up uh, as well over the next week or two. So quite a bit to cover. Um, we're going we're to go through it. Um, it can be very weird, actually, without Max. It feels weird without, without Max, and, and it's strange. But anyway, um, so the, the news we got through, we actually had a few, we had a few comments on. Let me go and actually bring them up. So anyway, we had um, we had a couple of comments on the on the YouTube. Uh, the first, it's really nice people actually out there. One from uh, one from Craigles, who great name actually by the way, Craigles, who says, uh, and he was talking about whether there was a really nowadays a benefit of having a, a heat exchanger machine over a over a dual boiler. And I have to say, and this is actually part of the real like um, challenge that I had in choosing a machine wasn't actually down to whether I wanted a heat exchanger or dual boiler or whatever else. I actually, a single boiler would work fine for me. Um, the issue was that if uh, for some of the features that I wanted, they only came on certain models. And I think that's, I mean, I can understand why, why manufacturers do it that way because, you know, they, they can only have a certain number of, of, um, of models that they make. And you don't want to have like lots of different variants it becomes too difficult to market and manufacture and ship and all the rest of it. Uh, so I do understand that. And I also understand that I'm kind of an edge case. Um, so we're a bit, we're a bit different. Uh, previously as well, the heat exchanger machines, I think for some reason, I think some manufacturers still do this or the heat exchanger machines. Um, they, they uh, showed the temperature at the boiler, not at the group head. Um, and I think the creme one, was one of those machines that actually has taken the incredibly self-obvious step, right? But really useful step of showing you of doing the doing the the lookup table for you and showing the temperature, calculated temperature at the group group head rather than at the boiler, which makes an awful lot of sense. So, uh, but not all of them do that. So a lot of them still you have to go look up like a conversion table in a book, which is just nuts. Um, but but the temperature difference between uh, the boiler and the group head on heat exchanging machines used to be, they used to be quite um, uh, like a number of degrees of variance, which for me was just a, uh, a killer. And I think that's not the case so much now. So I totally, uh, I totally agree with Craigles in, uh, in what he says there, that there's not necessarily much of a reason to go with a dual boiler nowadays, unless you're running some kind of commercial um, application with it. But, you know, you have to take a look at the other features that you want and see what uh, model fits with those features that you really do want. 
We also had uh, some lovely comments from E1. I think what that means, E1. I don't know. Uh, where he's very nice about it. He says, says nice, nice things, loves the series, et cetera, et cetera. And Wharton returned to Sage Oracle Touch because it was faulty. And this brings me, this brings me on to, um, well, will bring me on in a minute to uh, something else. Well, we've got another problem. But he also suggests that we do a, or he asks that we you know, maybe make some comments on the decent, which I'd love to do. I just can't afford to buy a decent in America and ship it over. Um, you know, I think that it appeals that machine to a certain demographic. And um, I like my machines to look and, and beautiful and feel beautiful. And I just don't personally think that the decent does look very beautiful. But I do totally respect where it sits. That's my own personal preference. Other people think I'm crazy, think it's amazing looking. Um, but if I was like really analytical and I wanted to get into like making the absolute best espresso, regardless of what the thing looked like and regardless necessarily of the experience of making the espresso, um, then the decent would probably be an obvious choice. And maybe if I ever tried one, I'd completely change my mind. But as to right now, I haven't tried one. So I can only take a, you know, an opinion on the look of it. I don't think that's necessarily the best thing to comment on. Talking of that, uh, Flair came back to us after after we talked about that last episode. Um, Max and I differed. Uh, you know, this is actually the lovely thing. This is the lovely thing about humanity is not celebrating our homogeny, but celebrating the differences is what makes travel so interesting. The fact that you go somewhere and things are different. But also what makes travel so bloody awful when you go somewhere and you find, you know, you go down the the the, the shops, you walk down the high street and you find the same shops as you found in Birmingham or Liverpool or London or everything else. Because nowadays you've got these global brands and that's a separate subject. But, you know, when you go to somewhere, that's part of the reason why personally I, I love to go to Japan because it's so different. And you can, if you go outside of Tokyo, people don't even speak the language, which, you know, you're really thrown into it and got all that culture and that, that, that difference there, which I love. So going back to the flair, Max doesn't like it, and that's totally fine. It absolutely doesn't make any sense to him. Uh, for me, I sort of love the idea, actually, of having a, uh, um, a sort of a, a lever device um, on, a, on a machine that I sort of put together and, and do all these bits and, bits, bits and pieces and, and make an espresso that way. Um, I, I don't know if I'd like actually doing it. I don't know how I'd use it, but I love the idea of it. Uh, and, um, so Flair wrote to us as well. And, and, uh, and so Max did me a huge favor because, um, him sort of being negative about it has spurred Flair to, to, to challenge them to, to convert us. So they've offered me a discount, which I absolutely threw myself upon and said, yeah, sure. Give me a discount and I'll, I'll buy one. <laughs> so whenever they come out, I'll, um, I'll pick one up and we'll do a review on that. But reviews uh i those following our instagram will know that i bought a machine to review i don't think i told them which one it was i think i just sort of had a mystery box or something that machine uh was the sage or rebel if you're in the u.s hello u.s people uh the sage barista touch and um so i i actually started filming an unboxing of it and, uh, and it, you know, it's small and compact and 
It's got the built-in conical grinder and it feels okay. Actually, these machines generally do feel pretty good, except for the drip tray. You know, the drip trays always just look just look tinny and rubbishy, but okay. So this machine, I was unpacking it all, started to set it up, and guess what? <laughs> it was broken again. And not only was it not working, it was the same darn thing that wasn't working. It was the uh, the water tank at the back. And I've actually got it here. Um, I'm going to show this here. So I don't know if you can see. Actually, one of the things that, that Sage does really well, and I'm sure this is like inside out, upside down, whatever to you, but they put instructions and everything. They make it really clear, and they do this on the box as well. So this is really aimed at people just starting out getting getting into you know, making espressos or, or, or drinks. Um, I spent 20 minutes with this before I, I went to my wife and said, I think I'm being stupid, but I, I can't open the lid. And she went, oh, you're such an idiot. And give it to me. And she couldn't open it either. So I know that there's a problem because a company that spends this much time making it totally you know, idiot proof um, would not make a lid that neither me or my wife open i have no idea how to open the lid i don't know if you push these things in or you push it no you can't open it i mean i could possibly force it open but the lid doesn't open basically well, i'm telling you the lid doesn't open so um tried calling sage on the saturday but um their uh, their support line was closed so we'll see how we get on with that uh tomorrow yeah tomorrow's monday but tomorrow monday i'll i'll give them a quick bell and see if they can help me with it. But I did look it up online, and there are issues with um, with the lids <laughs> these things, not just on the Barista Touch, but also on a number of them. And that kind of raises the question, doesn't it? It sort of raises the question of, should they maybe invest in better parts for the lid? I mean, they've got all the rest of it together, and I know they're working to a price point, but it's still paid a thousand pounds for this machine, a thousand pounds, which in dollars is like a million dollars. Um, I've had a million dollars for this machine and you, I mean, you're not going to be able to see, or maybe you can see the lid. You see that little, you see that little thing where that thing there, that's the, the hinge on the inside and it's very plasticky. You can hear it. Here, listen to this. Just a very plasticky kind of mechanism that has got to cause them more problems than they've saved. And maybe it doesn't cause them more problems. Maybe they get one in 10,000 issues, but I don't know. It just seems to me like just spend an extra 2p and get a better part, a bit of plastic, or I don't know. So um, that's a bit disappointing, really. I was hoping to do a review of it next week. Instead, I'll be doing uh, more work on or reviews now on the on uh, the rocket. Um, so, how do I find the rocket? How do I, you know, do it? Is it was it worth it? Was it? Uh, am I happy with it? Am I convincing myself that I'm happy with it? Uh, I am happy with it. Um, the espresso is better than I was getting on my machine that cost a quarter of the amount <laughs> before, <laughs> which you kind of like, you know, that that would be disappointing, wouldn't it? Spend, you know, like literally, like so, something costs. I and mean, it cost me like two grand or something, right, for this machine. The previous thing I had was a Gazia Classic Pro. It was 500 quid. If I was making the same kind of coffee, I would, um, I'd be disappointed. I'd have to convince myself that for some reason it was worth the money. 
But the, tra- the fact is, is that, oh, and I did some calculations. The fact is that it is making better coffee. Um, absolutely. I can't find my calculator now, but I did say, oh, here it is. Let's just work this out. So I, uh, not only am I making better coffee with it, but I'm making more consistently better coffee. And this is where the calculator comes in. This is where I start justifying the expense to myself because I worked out, let's say, an average bag of one kilo of coffee. I'm spending, I don't know, let's say, let's say 22 pounds. I actually worked it out in my head, but I haven't worked it out on a calculator. I'm going to be stupid if this doesn't work. Um, so, and before, before uh, I was getting channeling and other things, I mean, maybe because of the, I didn't have pre-infusion on the Gagier and, and things like that. I, I was, or maybe I just, I'm not very good at making coffee, but I was, um, I was definitely wasting, I don't know, one out of four shots. Let's say one out of four. Right. So one out of four shots, especially, and bear in mind also before you criticize me and say you're an idiot, uh, or feel free to do that anyway. But before you say that, um, I would say that um, I'm also changing the beans all the time. So I'm not using the same beans. I'm literally getting in because we're trying different roasters and things, and I'm trying different beans all the time. And each bean has to be dialed in. And so there's a certain amount of wastage that goes with that. But listen, bear with me because. Let's say one in four, oh, that makes the math easier. One in four shots I screw up on previously. Um, and now I'm screwing up, let's say one in eight. I, I think that's it's probably not exactly right, but it's, it's in the ballpark, right? One in eight. That means I'm saving one in four shots. And oh God, now suddenly I realize the math is going to get more complicated. But basically, let's say it's 20 grams a shot. Yeah. Not quite right, but let's say 20 grams because it makes the math easier. So one kilo is a thousand. Divide that by 20. That's 50 shots in a kilo that you're making. Um, and if one in four of those was, we divide that by four, that's what I'm saving. I'm saving 12 and a half shots a bag, I think, um, of, of coffee by being able to make it more consistent. Bear in mind that this is not a scientific experiment saying that I'm purely talking about the the financial justification I'm making to myself. Uh, So 12 and a half shots and the coffee costs, let's say 25 pounds for a kilo. Um, Divide that by uh, four, five. That's, um, no, that can't be right. 25 pounds. Uh, four shots, mate. How many? 25 pounds. How many shots did we say it was? Ah, I've lost track. Anyway, the important point is that over a period of years, <laughs> I would have paid back for this coffee machine. And so um, please write in and tell me the math that I need to do to do that. And so, uh, and so that's, of course, why it is a sound financial investment. And I rest my case. Um, so that's the rocket. What am I liking about it? Let me tell you. Let me tell you what I like about it, other than the consistency. The flavor is definitely better. I'm just telling you the flavor is better coming out of it. Uh, now, the water tank, I have to say, like, it was a bit odd. Like, when I put that water tank in the first time, it would sort of rattle from side to side. It would be a little bit of wiggle room. And what the guy did, I don't think I told you how he fixed it. Let me share a screen, actually, and I will show you. 
I'll show you because uh, I took a picture and I took it into the shop to repair it. The importer, by total coincidence, uh, lives up the road from me, like five miles up the road. So we went there. I don't know if you can see that. Hopefully you can. You can see. So whilst he was doing this, oops, uh, whilst he was um, uh, having a look to, to, to see the problem, uh, I was photographing him, which you know, probably didn't make him feel awkward at all. Um, and you can see the tank on the right and that little, that little uh, doohickey on the sort of top part of the tank, the little circular thing, that's where the water tank fits into. So what you've got is right now is like the cage that holds the water tank. And then there's the plastic tank that fits into that. And you can see there's a little pointy bit inside the middle of that circle that pushes up into the valve of the water tank and the water comes through. And at the bottom of the little cagey thing, you can see the two like metal, uh, they look like little metal screws or, or bolts, um, but that's actually the sensor. So on the water tank, there are also two little metal bolty screwy things and those need to touch those little metal bolty screwy things. Uh, and then depending upon the mineral content of the water, it will indicate to the machine that the tank is full or empty or whatever. And the plastic tank wasn't touching those metal bolty things. So what he did was he actually took, you can see there's two screws at the bottom of the, um, of the plate there. He took those out and he reseated the metal frame just a little bit, screwed it back in and voila, it worked fine. This wasn't the first thing he tried. He had to sort of, he said he actually never had this issue before. So I, this doesn't sound like a common problem, um, but you know, yours truly is very good at attracting issues. Um, makes me a good reviewer, I would say. Uh, you know, if it's going to go wrong, give it to me and I'll make sure that it does go wrong indeed. So, um, so uh, he said it didn't happen very often, but that's, um, that's what the problem was. He literally just reseated it and then we took the tank in, took it out, put it in, put it out, put it in, put it out. And it was absolutely fine. It wasn't wiggling anymore. So job done, job solved. It was very, very nice as well. So if you're in the UK and interested in a rocket, I would say, because he's the importer, um, I mean, Gareth from Carvetti Coffee, I, that's who I bought mine through. Um, I don't know if there's other resources, I'm sure there are. But, um, but anyway, they took very good care of me. So I was very happy, very happy for that. Um, you can also see, interestingly, ooh, do I go right or left on the pictures? If I go one way, if I go the wrong way, you're going to see a picture of my cat probably. Let's go and take a look. Oh, that's a picture of my cat. Actually, not my cat. Someone else's cat. Get much into my cat pictures. Okay, so we go that way. Um, so now let's go back and look at the cat again. Look, that's my, that's my, um, my old manager uh, from my coffee shop uh, sent me a picture of the cat. She has got a, she's got a very strange, look at eyes. Is it cross-eyed? I don't know. She rescues things. So. Um, so uh, we can see in this guy's shop, uh, we can see inside the machine, the electrics are actually very neat. This is, uh, this is the messiest side of the electrics. We go back here looking top down, you can see there's really not much there, which, um, which is a good thing. Uh, inside my Gaggio, it is like, you know, a Vietnamese electric system. And I say that without prejudice because I've been to Vietnam and I've seen the electric system. I've actually got a T-shirt. They actually, their electric systems are so bad, they sell T-shirts. You know, they make a thing out of it. 
so yeah, so um, it was quite a uh, it's quite a, a neat packed, neatly done bit of wiring or whatever in, internally. I thought. Um, so what I like about the machine, um, I really like the menu system on the side. I'm finding that incredibly easy to use. Really like the coffee it's bringing out. Uh, I don't like the handles. I much prefer the levers, and I wish they had little levery things. Um, that's for me, as stupid as it sounds, it's probably the the biggest issue I've got when I turn the steam on. I mean, you know, I haven't said that's the biggest issue. How often do I make a steamy drink? I make one for my wife two or three times a week. That's it, really. I make her cappuccino. But I don't drink any creamy, milky drinks myself. But there, you have to turn the knob, turn the knob, turn the knob, turn the knob. It's just kind of nuts. Um, it's not one of those half-turned things. You have to spin it <laughs> around and around and around until it starts to get, you get steam out of it. Uh, in terms of steaming, yeah, really good. Um, also, you get two tips. You get the two-hole tip and the four-hole tip. I have not tried the four-hole tip. Definitely going to give that a go because I really want to blast it. So the um, if you're not familiar, two holes will mean that it'll steam slower. And why would you want that? Because uh, because um, you if you steam too quickly, uh, if you're not really good and experienced the steaming milk, it will be all over by the time you've adjusted the position. Um, and also if you're making milky drinks back to back to back, actually a two hole steam tip will continually steam for longer. I think, I think I read somewhere like you can pretty much go on forever as long as you've got water in the machine with a two hole steam tip with a four hole, it's more powerful, but after a few, after a couple of jugs, two, three jugs of milk, um, I think that the power starts to drop off blows itself out kind of quickly uh, whereas with the two hole it's a little bit more gentle and i say gentle it's still good right it's still good but it gives you a bit more time a bit more latitude for adjustment and making corrections in the position of your um of your steam wand in the milk and um probably the best solution for most people but if you're a pro <laughs> see i am uh you'll probably move to a four hole so i'll put that in and see how that goes um the polishing of it I thought was going to be my biggest niggle. I'm actually kind of enjoying it. Kind of soothing. I put my audio book on. I'm really big into audio books. So I have my audio. This is another excuse for me to listen, still pretend I'm doing something. And I sit there and I polish all the little bits. And I, I know that sounds totally inane. And it sounds like, you know, a complete waste of time. Why would you do that? Um, and it is. <laughs> so I'm not arguing with that. Um, but I also think that there should probably be times in your life or you, you know, in your day where you do things that aren't necessary, but you know, you can turn it into a, almost like a meditation, wax on, wax off, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, so that was groovy. Um, what else do I like about it? The drip tray is pretty solid. It seems to fill up quicker than I thought. Like it's a pretty decent sized drip tray. Um, uh, but it does, it does seem to fill up quite, quite quickly quicker than i thought um but it's very nice and very nice and solid the whole machine is solid oh actually something that the guy told me and he was very nice again i said this guy from the, the importer something that he told me to do and when i was watching him he moved very slowly and he um he was very deliberate in his movements and he was very slow 
but it instilled a kind of confidence. And when he was filling it up with water, he would take a, you know, a jug and he would just go to the top and pour it slowly in. And he'd take a little bit more water and pour it slowly in. And he actually said on this, this is one of the things he, he did, one of the little tips he did give me. He said, um, and do you store this under your, under your cupboards in the kitchen? I said, yeah, under the cabinets. And he said, well, don't pull it out and fill up with the big jug. He said, you Oh, it's, it's going to rattle it. You're going to move it. It's, it's heavy machine. I said, that's what I'm doing. I said, I'm pulling it. I'm trying to lift it and pull it and walk it. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, just, just go slow. Just put some water in a milk jug, pour it in slowly. Put some more water in a milk jug, pour it in slowly. I thought, that's ridiculous. It's going to take so much time. But actually, he's absolutely right. Don't have to pull it out. I get it into the right position, put it in the milk jug. And he did say, and this is also, I think this is a design fault i'm going to say the word fault uh a design faux pas uh, of the machine is that the around the outside oh well I want, yeah no i just show it again uh around the outside of the um uh, of the machine here i actually can't really see it but but when the tops when the lids on around the outside of this this um cage here there's a gap and when you, if you slosh water in, there's the possibility of some splashing that will go outside the edge here and get him into the machine. And he said, um, he said, don't do that. <laughs> Basically, he said, you'll rust on the inside. So that was a bit sort of like, oh, okay. Um, like I'm going to get it plumbed in. I'm going to be moving house in June, July in a way. And at that stage, I'll plumb it in. Um, I just noticed how I scratched my cat's been scratching me, and I plumb it in, and it won't be an issue. But whilst I'm pouring it in, he did say be very careful. And I don't know if that's the same on all the bigger machines. Um, we'll have to see. Uh, there is um, a fella who contacted me uh, on the Instagram, who um, who's into who's into natural stone. Actually, uh, works in natural stone. And he's just getting a creme one. I think it's been, it's been delivered in, in a week or something. So I'd be very interested to, to chat to him. You know who you are. I'd be very interested to chat to him and to um, ask him to naturally pull his machine apart uh, and show us the insides when he's got it. <laughs> the last thing you want to do when you've got a new machine. Um, but I'd be very interested to, to compare you know, the, the first impressions beyond the features and the, you know, twiddly knobs and the things that you can do, just kind of compare the, the build quality and, um, you know, and the quality of the, of the espresso and, and, and everything. So that'll be, that'll be kind of interesting. Uh, oh, it looks so ugly, this damn thing. Uh, you know what I was, I went down there. I had a really friendly conference. So all I had was, I did, was not expecting to have my tooth pulled. I went in, I called them up. I had a little bit of an achy tooth, just a little bit of an achy tooth. And uh, it'd been aching for a while, but not really bad. Just a little bit. I thought, well, you know, maybe you need a cleaning. Maybe I might need a filling or something. And um, I went down there. And, and as you do, you chat about COVID, you know? So I sort of said, uh, it had been difficult over COVID. And he's like, oh, it's been really difficult. Two two fellas. I think one was from Kenya and I forgot what the other one was from. Um, Mauritius and uh yeah they said um they said yeah it's been really really tricky 
you know, because we, we weren't allowed to open. I said, actually, I didn't realize you dentists weren't out. I thought it'd be emergency. No, it's terrible. So we were, we had to close. We couldn't be open at all. So I said, well, what do people do if they had, you know, serious, serious tooth problem? They said they had to go to A&E, which was the last place that actually the government really wants you to be because now you're taking up, you know, people's time in A&E when it should be focused on a, a COVID thing. So it's probably not a smart decision. But anyway, that's what happened, you know, and it's been very difficult, you know, financially, I imagine, and everything else, because dentists are businesses like every, you know, like anything else, they're a business. So he said, yeah, it's been very difficult, but we're open up again now. So then in a way, I'm in the chair and they're looking at it, they take some x-rays and uh, it's like a double x, like, you know, good cop, bad cop, except they're both the bad cop kind of good but bad but anyway they're saying to me things like oh look at that you know that's not good and the other guy's like no that's not good oh ooh, and that that should be that should be longer that white thing going down there you see that nick and i'm like yeah a little white shadow thing yeah for that kind of tooth that is that should be that should be definitely longer the other guy's yeah that should be longer and they basically yeah, we have to pull it <laughs> Wait, 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 I just came here for a checkup, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, you know, you <laughs> sit back down. The next thing I know, um, uh, it's not quite like that. They're good guys. But the next thing I know, right, I'm, somehow I'm on my back and uh, there's a guy in, in my mouth with a pair of pliers. And I'm thinking, as he's coming, I see the pliers are coming in. And I'm thinking to myself, do they just need the money? You know, <laughs> it's obviously went through my head. Do they just, maybe I could just give them the money and keep the tooth. Uh, but anyway. Um, that was last week. And, and, and the tooth actually, the tooth is okay, but they really rammed it on my lip. Uh, so I'm sure you all wanted to hear that tune in next week for my, uh, my other health problems. Uh, I think I'm going to wrap that up. I think it's going to be about it. Oh no, 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 no. There's going to be news. I got to tell you something really, uh, really great, actually really great. So first of all, uh, go see out, go see if you haven't seen on our interview channel, cause we've got the bean talk thing, which is what you're listening to. Um, but if you go to the YouTube, uh, there's another channel called interviews. And we did an interview last week or two weeks ago with Josh Wilbur from steep coffee. And if you don't know who steep coffee are, um, they make coffee in a tea bag. And before you turn off, like this is like I said, like I had to think to myself, how do I raise this with him on the interview? Um, but it's not like that because it's specialty coffee. And they've got a special, they've developed a special um, uh, method inside the bag of which, how the whole thing is brewed. And then they work with the roasters and they work with some really top roasters. Um, and the, they're basically a technology company. They, they kind of sell the technology of the, the bag and the brewing method. And it's about having speciality coffee wherever you go. So go see the interview there because he's a really nice guy. Um, and not only is he a nice guy, but his whole business is built with what's called a double bottom line. What that means is, is that from day one, when they started the company, they started with an ethical, uh, an ethical foundation, meaning they measure the social impact that they have, as well as the amount of money that they make, and that they contribute a percentage of their revenues to, to courses. And that's built in fundamentally, and the investors are behind it, and investors are totally into doing that as well. So it's a really interesting interview. But you might also be interested to know that soon, soon, because I've done it already, I just haven't, we haven't done the editing. Uh, we interviewed the, um, the product designer for La Mazzocco and um, Stefano. Stefano something, I, his last name is, 
it's a really nice sounding name that I'm just going to butcher if I try to pronounce it. So let's just call him Stefano. And uh, Stefano was, he's a really funny guy. Not a funny guy. He's a really fun guy. He's a really fun guy. And we talked about, um, we talked about the design parts and not the technology of the machines, but how, how you go about designing, like all the different challenges that you have as a designer, taking into account the heritage of Lamasoko and, you know, the, the fact that the stuff has to actually work and not just look good and you know, sustainability of materials and all that kind of stuff. And he's got some really interesting stories to tell. He also worked, he came under, in fact, he was hired. There's a lovely story about how he was hired, which I think is on the interview. Yeah, it is in the interview where he, um, uh, he was, uh, he, he basically did a drawing and he took it to, to uh, one of the founders, um, Piero Bambi. And um, and who passed away sadly a year or so ago, um, and then the guy basically looked at this and was like, "Okay, thanks, leave it with me." And then a couple of weeks later, said, "You want to be our designer? <laughs> you know, come work with us and and do this." And um, and he's also got, and I'm very jealous to say, he's also got the very first model of the uh, Lamazocco Linear Mini in his kitchen. Uh, if I find out where he lives, you know, we'll go burgle the place and steal it. Um, but uh, no, I won't actually because he's very nice. So uh, look out for that in the next, uh, I guess, hopefully week, depending on how much editing we need to do. Um, that will be coming out on the interview channel as well, which I think might be a lot of interest to, um, to the people who watch this. So hopefully next week, Max will um, have lived through his sore throat and will come back and my lip won't be as disgusting to look at. Maybe I should just talk like this. Uh, and I won't have any more teeth pulled and life will be back to normal. So thanks very much for tuning in and I'll catch you all next week.